You're listening to the Business for Good podcast, the show where you'll hear inspirational stories about companies making money by solving some of the world's most pressing problems. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and I'm glad you've joined us. Welcome, friend, to the 114th episode of the Business for Good podcast. The past three episodes, we have had on the CEOs of very large entities, the Rand Corporation, Corn Foods, and Sabra Hummus. Yet on this one, we are going back to the startup world. But as you'll soon hear, Alt-Plastic Pioneer Tipa is not a new startup, but rather one that has come quite a long way since it was founded in 2010. Did you know that every single piece of plastic that you've ever used still exists somewhere on the planet, from the Ziploc bag that you used to hold the leftovers, to the bag of chips that you enjoyed today, to the packaging that held together all those grapes that you recently got from the supermarket. I was just thinking about my lunch alone today. I used a tortilla that came in a plastic bag. I spread hummus on it that came in a plastic tub. I then put a layer of spinach on it that also came out of a plastic bag, then a layer of tofu that came out of a plastic tub, and then I and the tofu had been cooked in an air fryer that's largely made of plastic also. So every single one of those pieces of plastic from the soft plastic to the hard will outlive me for centuries. Hopefully it'll be tucked in away in a landfill at least, but it's going to remain nonetheless. We used to ship all of our plastic waste to China, but in 2017, they stopped taking it. So now the vast majority of our plastic, including what we put in the recycling bin, at the very best just ends up in a landfill and sometimes even in the ocean. Enter Tipa, an Israeli startup promising to revolutionize plastic packaging by making it fully compostable. That means that you can take that bag your grapes came in and just put it in your backyard compost. That's a big deal because a lot of composting that gets done with these packaged materials aren't really compostable in your backyard. Rather, they are actually compostable only under industrial composting conditions, which involve much higher heat than what you would typically get in a home composting system or if the bag just finds its way into nature. Tipah has already raised an impressive $130 million U.S. million in venture capital funding. They employ more than 60 people across Israel, the U.S., and Europe. They've developed numerous plastic replacement products that are now sold on several continents, including here in the U.S. They recently acquired another compostable packaging company, and they are working feverishly to scale up even further so they can turn off the faucet of plastic pollution that humanity is dumping into our environment every single year. Tipah, if you're wondering, is Hebrew for droplet. And in this conversation with Tipah's founder and CEO, Daphna Nissenbaum, we chat about her journey from a software engineer to a plastic revolutionary, what the difference between biodegradable and compostable is, what her alt plastic is actually made of, and much more. Most entrepreneurs dream of having the type of success that Daphna has had so far in terms of fundraising and product launches, so it was fun to get to hear her story. Daphna, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. Hi, Paul. Nice being here today. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us. I got to tell you, Daphna, I have tried so many of these like so-called degradable plastics and these compostable plates, and I've done these experiments with them where I'll rip them up and bury them in my backyard and then check them out a few months later, and they're still there. Uh, so, so something didn't work, but you claim that you have a way better solution for this problem. So what am I doing wrong or what are the companies from whom I've been purchasing these products doing wrong that should be rectified and that TIPA is correcting? 
you know, I don't know exactly what you purchased, but what we do is we develop packages that are fully compostable, not biodegradable, compostable, which means that the package will break down into small parts and there's, then those small parts will be consumed by bacteria and the bacteria will create a compost. And compost, it's like a fertilizer. It's a new resource. Now that happens usually in compost environment, compost system. And a compost system, it's like where, I mean, it's exactly where the organic waste goes to. So if you put organic waste in a compost bin, it becomes a new resource, and it's the same for our packages. Now, in order to, to claim compostability, you have to go through tests and get certificates that actually ensure that the materials are fully compostable, and they can go into the organic, organic waste stream, the compost environment, and decompose exactly like any other organic material. So until this moment, Daphna, I had thought that compostable and biodegradable meant the same thing. You just mm-hmm. parsed those two, though. You said that they're they're not the same. So you said compostable, it means that it's going to break up into little pieces. So what is biodegradable then, if that's not what it means? No, biodegradable means, look, biodegradable, there's no clear declaration for biodegradable. Everything in the world might be biodegradable, maybe in a thousand of years to biodegrade, right? It will break down into small parts. Compostable means that the materials break down and then consume by bacteria. So nothing left behind. And all that happens within up to six months. So Got it. it also so it's the, it's, there's a time frame, a process and a time frame and no residuals. Interesting. Okay. And so by compostable, do you mean only compostable in an industrial composting facility or even in my backyard? Even in your backyard. Right? Backyard. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. All right. Well, this is really exciting. So I am really glad that we're talking because, you know, a lot of the times I talk with folks who have a cool idea, maybe they've raised a million or $2 million, but you have raised really an enormous amount of money. I think about 130 million US dollars since you founded this company, but you founded it quite some time ago, right? Didn't you found it more than a decade ago, right? Right. Yeah. And And so if you were at the beginning of your journey over a decade ago, before you had founded TPA, would you think it's going to take $130 million of investor capital to get to where we're going? Or would you have thought, I I think we're going to need that much money to make this work? You know, there's there's good and bad in the fact that you don't really know what's going to happen. Because, you know, maybe if you would know, you wouldn't start going in this direction. Because it's frightening and it's there's so many challenges and it's not easy. And maybe we would need two hundred million dollars, I don't know, maybe fifty. I didn't know. I have to say look, my background, I'm not I'm not a material I'm not chemist, I'm not I don't have any materials background. I'm a software engineer. That's my profession. And uh, and but when I started to go in this journey and I really believe that we can. We have to solve this major problem, and that we can do it. I did. I did. I didn't really know how deep it is. I didn't really know how big is the problem. I, I didn't really know how complex is the packaging technology. I do know now, and and I'm glad I didn't know, because as I said in the beginning, if I knew, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, so you've raised about $130 million. You were a software engineer before. What led you to think that as a software engineer, you should be the one to try to re- to revolutionize the packaging industry? Were you persuaded that there was a problem that you needed to solve? Did you think, oh, there's this cool technology that you already were aware of? Like, what was the genesis for you, Daphna, of thinking, I'm going to start a materials company that is going to put plastic waste into the dustbin? I have to say it didn't go this way. Because what happened is uh, like a bit more than a decade ago, I had a discussion with one of my children around the plastic bottles they used to take to school back then. And where's the bottle? Why didn't you recycle it, et cetera, et cetera. And then I heard all, all those kind of discussions around me. And, and I knew that plastic is not going anywhere. I mean, every piece of plastic that we manufacture actually stays here and destroys. And it wasn't that common back then to, to think this way about plastic, but I knew that. And I also investigated a little bit about plastic and understood that it's it's it is a, it is a challenge. And I went out jogging and I, tell, I said to myself, okay, so what is what is the right solution for packaging? What what would be the most intuitive way to use packaging? And the first thing that came that came to my mind was an apple, because when I ate an apple and I throw the residuals into the waste bin, it just disintegrates and biodegrades by itself, right? So. As someone who doesn't really understand in packaging and materials, I thought to myself, okay, this is the idea. Let's create a compostable drinking pouch for children to replace the plastic bottles, and they will drink and drop, and that's it. And the idea was to emulate nature, because nature also packed. Nature packed the oranges, and nature packed the bananas, and, and, the, and the nuts, etc., etc. But nature uses compostable packaging. and the idea was to emulate that. Started, we started working on on the solution. I was, I was one hundred percent sure that the materials are available in the market. And only when we started working on it, I understood that the materials are not available, and we had to invent them, actually invent materials. And 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 that that that's that's the journey that we went, but. It didn't start with let's solve all the crises. It started from the the basic idea that says let's emulate nature, because probably this is the most accurate thing, uh, accurate way to 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 pack food. And, and what was the pi- what was the pitch to investors? Obviously, you were successful in in persuading investors to pump money into your idea to mimic nature to create packaging that kids could use to, let's say, drink water. But what was the pitch that you're going to replace plastic water bottles, or was it more grandiose than that? So at the beginning, it was that. But when we when I started walking in this journey, I understood that the main problem are, are not plastic bottles. The main problem is all those flexible packaging that we use, all those soft soft packaging like snacks, granola bars, all those that actually do not disintegrate, do, do not go anywhere and cannot be recycled. So first of all, I have to say that it wasn't that easy to raise money. And just, just to make sure that everybody understands raising money is not What was not the easy. problem? Like what, what was the barrier? Was it that people were skeptical of the idea? They were skeptical of you personally because you were a software engineer and didn't have a material science background? Was it just the environment back in 2010 was different than it is today for venture capital? Like, What was what were the barriers for you to raising the capital? All, all of the above. At the beginning, uh, the plastic problem wasn't, wasn't that... I mean, 
not everybody understood that there is a problem with plastic. I remember trying to raise money and people said, we don't know what you're talking about. Plastic is perfect. And then uh, when the crisis started, it actually started like seven years after. And the awareness of understanding that there is a problem was in 2017 when China decided to stop accepting plastic waste from all over the world. Because until, until then, there was a common knowledge that every piece of plastic can be recycled, right? I think the majority of the people maybe still think so. So, and, and in 2017, China said, okay, stop, guys. I'm not accepting any more your, your waste. And the waste was actually coming from Europe, from North America, was... Packages were sh loaded on ships and ships were shipped to China and China accepted the, the waste. And their waste that was shipped to China was marked as recycled. So the recycling rate was perfect. And when China decided stopped accepting the, their waste, organizations like the World Economic Forum and others conducted research on recycling, asked the question, when, when we say recycling, what do we really mean? And the findings were that less than 9% of the plastic that we use it is actually recycled. 12% incinerated and almost 80%, 700% goes to landfill. And it doesn't work. The recycling doesn't work. And the majority of the packages that can be recycled are the bottles, the water bottles. But then all the packages that Actually, mix few materials together within one package cannot be recycled. And so when I started raising money, there wasn't in the awareness. And in 2017, it started to be. Still, there was a question why a small startup can, you know, solve this problem. Indeed, I wasn't coming from, from, from the plastic industry or packaging industry. But I did have the vision, and I did have the idea, and I did have the leadership, and I did have the enthusiasm to say, although or because I'm not coming from this industry, I, nothing will stop us, and nothing stopped us. And so what was it that was persuasive? Like you're saying in 2017, things changed when China decided to stop taking the world's plastic, but your company, Tipa, had already been around for seven years at that point. So obviously, you had raised some capital by then. Yeah, we raised capital. We invested the majority of the capital in developing the technology. We started manufacturing high scale at around 2017. That's when we started manufacturing our products commercially. So there were seven years of R&D before you entered the market. Years of R&D and years of uh, scaling up. Yeah, scaling okay. up from, from lab to manufacturing. And so now you've been on the market for six years. You have products that are in lots of different categories, lots of different types of plastic alternatives. Mm -hmm. So before we talk about the scale and breadth that TPA currently has, what is it? What's the material made out of? So you're, you're saying that it is compostable. What is it? It's different. First of all, it's, I have to explain something about flexible packaging. So we do in TPA, we do we do only flexible packaging, so we manufacture films, real films, and from those films, there are companies who are called converters convert the films into packaging. Okay, the, inno the innovation is in the films. So we manufacture, we manufacture only like we work, we invented only flexible packaging, fully compostable. We don't uh, we don't do anything that is not fully compostable. And, uh, and in order to manufacture flexible packaging, the conventional plastic industry actually blends few materials together. We do the same. We blend 
compostable raw materials. And, uh, and the raw materials come from different resources. So part of it is bio-based, part of it is fossil derivative-based, but all the materials that we use are fully compostable. In order, as, I, as we started this, the conversation, I said in order to say, in order to claim that package is compostable, we need to have a certificate. So we use only compostable raw materials, 100%, and therefore the package is compostable, fully compostable, and we do have all the needed certificates for that. So you're saying that it's a combination of bio-based ingredients and fossil-based ingredients. Of course, the conventional plastics are fossil-based. So mm -hmm. if conventional plastics are not compostable, are you using different kinds of fossil ingredients? Yes. Or is there something else? Like, well, I, I would have guessed that fossil-based ingredients were not compostable, but you're saying obviously that's not inherently true. So yeah. what is, what's the difference? The difference is that the conventional plastic industry uses regular polymer, conventional polymers. In the compostable polymers, those are chains of material. And actually the connection between the chain are breaking down in humidity and heat. And then the monomers who are the residuals in the, in the compost are consumed by bacteria. So there's no microplastic left and nothing actually left from the package. So the difference is the difference in the polymers. We don't use conventional polymers. We use only compostable polymers. Compostable polymers actually are combine combine few different raw materials in each polymer, and part of the polymers are derived from from uh, from fossil. Interesting. Okay, and so it, it took years of R and D to come up with this. I presume that you have patented various processes for doing this, and I, I see you nodding your head. So yes, they are patented. How widely in use are Tipa's product, products right now? Like if I'm in the United States, what are the products that I would purchase that would be made from your compostable packaging? So I, this in the, the way the industry works is that there are converters who convert the packaging to, to the, the films to packaging. So there are many converters, huge market, very diverse one. And different, different converters manufacture different packaging. So it's not that you go and buy, buy a package off the shelf. It doesn't work this way. But we work with brands, and the brands consume consume the packages from converters whom we work with. So it's kind of a triangle. We work with the fashion industry in North America. We work with the food industry, the fresh produce, for example, and granola bars, grains, etc., etc. Same in Europe. So relatively, we are new in North America. We started our operations a year ago. We have a presence in Europe, which is our main was our main market until last year. And, and we have today sales in, in Australia, in Europe, and in North America. So, and so how, how many folks are working at the company now? Around 60. So yeah, 60 people. I know that you recently completed an acquisition, right, of right. this company called Bio4Pack. So, you know, first of all, what did Bio4Pack have that you were interested in that you thought it was worth $8 million of your of your treasury in order to acquire their company? So they, they sell compostable solutions. They sell sustainable solutions. The majority of their solution is compostable. They have presence in a part of Europe where we don't have, which is the Benelux countries. They have vast knowledge in, in packaging solutions. They know how to take the materials and address the market needs with our materials. 
So it's a very, it's a brilliant team. It's a good company with a good, good service and, and knowledge in, this, in our space. They have several complementary solutions to ours, like trays, for example, compostable trays, compostable nets, unique solutions. So altogether, it's actually synergy between our team and their team. Cool. If you could look back, Daphna, let's say 13 years ago when you're starting this company and think, you know, I'm going to be the CEO of a company with 60 employees. We're going to be doing multi-million dollar acquisitions. We're going to be selling products on multiple continents and we're going to have raised well over a hundred million dollars. Would you have thought 13 years ago that was a likely outcome for what you were doing? Or would you think that's beyond where your dreams were <laughs> at the time? If I go back 13 years ago, probably I wouldn't, I, I didn't think that. So uh, if you could, oh, yeah, go on, go sorry. And, uh, but where I am today, I think we have to be much bigger than we are. Okay. Very good perspective. So if you could go back 13 years and give yourself advice from the 2023 Daphna to the 2010 Daphna on certain ways of thinking about the company or avoiding certain mistakes that maybe you ended up making, what would you have offered? What advice would you offer to your yourself 13 years ago if you had the knowledge that you have today? Um, it's a good question. I mean, there are mistakes, and I don't. I think we cannot avoid mistakes, and sometimes I even think that mistakes are very important because we learn out from mistakes. I would have said, be confident that you'll reach what you want to reach, because there are times that you think, okay, I'm almost giving up, I'm about to give up, and then you find energy or support from for yourself, you know, from places that you don't think you will get support but uh, you know it's 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 a journey it's a long journey making a revolution and that's what we're trying to that's what we're working on it's a revolution it's changing materials of packaging it's it's you know it's a huge revolution takes time energy patience and uh, and uh, and a lot of a lot of believing of you know this is what we need to do now, I always believe in, in this is what I need to do. And I didn't agree to do anything else than going in the month, just, just, going, in, just going in the way that uh, fulfilling our mission. I always believe in that. But sometimes it's, uh, you know, <laughs> there are people in the industry who say, you won't be able to raise money. You won't get what you want. No one will walk with you. There's no need to your product. Who would believe that the software engineer will bring a solution to packaging, etc., uh, etc.? Et so, and you know, you're talking about not being able to raise capital. Obviously, in the last 13 years, you've been through times where it was difficult to raise capital, to times where capital was more free flowing, to now where we are in the middle of 2023, where capital is harder to come by. How much? How many more rounds do you think that the company may need to complete before there is some type of exit for those early investors and for you and the employees and to a point where the company may not need further injections of cash in order to be sustainable? Look, we're looking to be a market leader and therefore we, active, we are actually active in three territories, three continents. So obviously we, need, we, need, we will need more money to grow. There's a, there's a lot in the innovation side to to promote as well, but I think that the next one will be either public or or more I would say either public acquisition or anything like that. 
I hope we will have we won't have any more rounds. All right. You were saying that a lot of mistakes have been made, Daphna, and that, you know, you learned from those mistakes. So let me just ask you, like, if you're talking to somebody or if there's somebody who's listening to you right now who's really impressed by the success that you've had thus far, not that the company has achieved all you want yet, but it's achieved quite a lot, way more than most other startups ever will. So if you could offer some advice to them, whether it's in the form of resources that have been useful for you, like books or videos or anything else that was actually useful for you, or just advice that you would offer, what would you suggest to other would-be entrepreneurs who want to achieve some type of a mission like what you're seeking, whether in packaging, revolution, or otherwise, that might be useful for them? I think that the most uh, useful resource that I can recommend on is kind of a mentor a mentor to work with, someone who has already done that and can really walk you through all the challenges. So I think there will always be unique challenges and, and, and unique uh, mistakes that every, every everyone will do. But if you have a, a real person that can give you a good advice or can lead you through a process or can lead you through, you know, even, even small days in the day-to-day work, small small things in a day-to-day work, I think it's priceless. And for me, the people that surrounded me, I mean, the good team that I have internally and the good board and and, and good people who supported me all, all the way, I think this is the most important thing. So find yourself a mentor. And it can be a different mentor during different stages of the company. It doesn't mean it's, it's the same person. But someone who's already gone through all those challenges of, raising money of handling a board of, of getting so many no's from the market on, on on raising money or on you know things that you want to do uh, people who don't believe with you to, who don't believe you would reach what you want to do what you want to reach but other people who support you this is very important I mean don't be don't be a sole player that's it's always a team it's an internal team and an, an external team. Mm-hmm. Sure. So in addition to not being a sole player, then Daphna, you know, I look at your history. This isn't your first time as a CEO of a company. You have been at the helm of other companies prior to TIPA. So I imagine that you have a number of ideas for other companies that you hope exist, either in the materials space or sustainability in general. And so needless to say, you're going to be running TIPA for some time to come. Hopefully you'll have that IPO or acquisition that you were talking about. But I presume you're going to be doing this for some time. So are there other ideas, Daphna, that you have for companies that you wish existed and maybe that somebody who's listening here might be wise to go out and start to try to solve some serious problem? You know, I can speak about our space. So in our space, there's a major demand for, I think, for, for waste sort, waste management, sorting. And uh, there are a few companies in our space who do kind of home composting, which is very easy and, and, and friendly. So I think in that space as well. So it's, it's more in the, at the end of use, what is the right way to, to, to treat our waste at the end of the process? And this is, I think, the world is really lacking for technologies at the end of the chain. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think, speaking of end of chain, that I think the world really needs is, of course, some way to prevent putting more non-compostable plastic into the world. But there's already billions of tons of 
plastic in the environment, right? right? And so the question is, can what can we do to break it down? Like, are there any inventions, either enzymatic processes or other types of fermentations that might be able to take the current plastic that's in the environment and break it down? I know we know of certain microorganisms that do seem to be willing to consume various types of human-made plastics, but I wonder what can be done about all the plastics out that's out there. Because as you pointed out, virtually none of the plastic that gets created ever gets recycled and every piece of plastic that's ever been made is still here. And so even if somehow magically we stopped making plastic today, we still would have to clean up the enormous amounts of plastic that we've already produced. And so I hope that there will be some type of a commercialization of a technology that can do something to degrade and to industrially degrade the current plastics that we've put into the environment. Yeah. I agree with you. Hopefully we can hopefully we'll find a solution to all this plastic that was dumped someplace or just sits in warehouses or or, or landfills. Yeah. But I th- the solution for the long run is to prevent. To prevent from plastic entering the system. This is our goal as society. That's what I believe in. Indeed, yes. Of course we have to turn the faucet off before we start draining the tub. Right. Right. Well, I appreciate what you're doing, Daphna. Congratulations on all of your success so far. And we'll be rooting for your success continuing into the future. And we'll include in the show notes on businessforgoodpodcast.com links to some of the products that are utilizing your compostable packaging so people can see what are the cool companies that are ditching conventional plastics in favor of TPA's solution here. So thanks again, Daphna, and good luck. And I look forward to hopefully buying some grapes that come in a TPA packaging <laughs> and I'm going to put them in my backyard and I'll report back to you how long it takes for it to please break do. down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, please do. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it useful. And if you did, please let the world know. Leave the show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and share the episode with your friends. Who knows? Maybe you'll inspire one of them to be in the business of doing good themselves.